Welcome back. This is the 19th episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Joining me today to talk about moving images and moving forward is DJ and producer Jeff Mills. little introduction. Having got his start in Detroit in the 1980s, he's considered a luminary in electronic music, recognized for his contributions not only in techno, but in classical music and in cinematic composition. In this conversation, Jeff discusses his work in film, his album Sight, Sound and Space, and his eternal quest for the new. with some questions that I've been thinking about sort of ahead of this conversation. Since the topic of this interview is film, I wanted to talk a bit about your history with moving images, your thoughts on the past projects, things like that. But your reply was that you don't want to talk about the past and you'd rather focus on the future. So I'm wondering, how often do you think about the future? Most of the time. <laughs> and, and, and the reason why uh, I, I wanted to is because collectively, in hindsight, thinking back about all the interviews that I've done, over the recent recent years, there's been very little attention to where the genre of electronic music is headed. What are the things that we might see as a result of what we're doing uh, uh, today? Mm-hmm. There's very, very little attention to, to, to that. And also because of the internet, social media, you can go back to find uh, much easier now, within seconds, what someone said, what quotes were about mm. particular subjects. It made sense when, when, when there wasn't the internet that you had to kind of keep repeating because press and media was very territorial. But now, anyone from someone from Japan can can mm. just type in certain words and certain name, and there, there you have it. I, what I believe we don't talk. Um, more about, and that is actually really important for everyone, no matter what generation, is where we're headed. Why do we spend so much time doing a particular thing, and what what are the what are the things that might uh, th- these things might lead to? Is something that um, we we kind of avoid, and so um, I thought maybe this might be an opportunity to really sure. uh, express at least the way the way I'm seeing things. Mm. Or the, or the, or or a certain group of people are seeing things, or what we're working towards. And so, how do you reconcile these kind of ruminating thoughts about moving forward with your search for something new? I mean, in my mind, I think it kind of depends on you actually moving forward, like actually having these thoughts lead somewhere. Well, well, I think that um, uh, looking at the genre of electronic music and looking at the things that have been done. 
looking at the body of work, looking at the body of um, musicians um, and artists that, that are in the genre, um, knowing a little bit about what they're currently working on and, and working towards, looking at other forms of music and looking at how they're structured and what, what classical musicians and classical composers and arrangers, how it's structured, what they've achieved, where they're headed, jazz, same thing, rock, same thing, mm -hmm. gospel, same thing, reggae, same thing. <laughs> um, it's, it is my opinion that we have some catching up to do in electronic music. There are too many things that we haven't explored, too many things that I, I think that are quite crucial. Like what? Uh, for instance, in electronic music, um, we... Um, Strangely, we don't make music that displays the craftsman, the musicianship of a, of a musician yeah. enough, I think. In other words, uh, we have very little chance to see what a solo is. And a solo is when someone takes an instrument and they play it to the maximum of their ability mm -hmm. um, and they express themselves with with their with their instrument, mm -hmm. most electronic music is not created that way. It's, it's created, it's programmed um, to work as a composite, and the composite moves forward and sometimes loops itself over and over again until it convinces you that you're listening to something that is structured. That's the basic structure of 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 of, what, of electronic music today. And what we're missing is that is that we're we're missing. Um, the interaction from the musician in these compositions, and I and I and that's something that I, I think it's really important to understand that what what a what a musician, what a real musician is. Uh, that that definition is is a bit too hazy, and I think this is the reason why it's creating so much confusion now about talent versus non-talented. I mean, what what is the definition of it? And so I think I think by 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 kind of defining or 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 looking at the things that we sh perhaps maybe would help a better understanding of electronic music like what a solo is a soloist is but what is it what's the difference between track and composition mm -hmm. what is an arrangement is that something that one might find in electronic music productions um are there artists in our industry? I know it's a, it's a crazy question, <laughs> but are there people that really take their, their, their medium and modify it and use it in a way to be able to speak about things that are relevant to other people, an artist who, who has a particular perspective um, and has a particular character and uses their, their personality to, to, uh, in, in, in that process? And so what about something like a live set, for example? Even that's hazy. I mean, when, when I, I, I remember when the definition, when the live set of electronic music first came out, it was basically a bunch of machines on a table over in the corner. And... It's still kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and it wasn't someone on turntables. So anything that wasn't on turntables was considered a live act. Right. But no one really knew what the person was doing because <laughs> it was over in the corner. And, and to, to the listener, it probably didn't make that much of a difference, mm. you know? Um, and we kind of just left it at that. 
So um, it was never really determined if you do something with your fingers on an instrument. Um, and then the technology came where it mixed what a DJ is supposed to do with, with mm. musical equipment. And that confused it even more. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then I think we just kind of left it. We just, <laughs> we just um, what is the value of a live set? So what is the definition of live? We could achieve a lot more, I think, if we just kind of defined some some of these some of these terms into what people can recognize and see and 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 when we do that then we can speak to other genres but i think right now we're not able to speak to we're not i'm not convinced that we're able to speak to them and so what is one way that you feel you have moved forward in the world of electronic music recently um do you think that in the moment that we're living in now there are really any like completely new ideas to have uh i, I think that um there are, of course, people with with new ideas, but I see uh, too often um, that um, these new ideas aren't really rewarded as much as there are someone copying someone else and and just you know being the new person that has done the you know, next new person that has done that. I'm not. If 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 I were asked, is electronic music an innovative form of music? I probably would have to say no. Is it is it a cutting edge form of music? The answer probably would have to be no, collectively as a whole. Right. Do you think that it was at one point? Yes, it was. And to the point where more people were copying than actually being innovative. And that probably happened really quickly <laughs> uh, in the mid 80s, somewhere around there. Yeah, for, for a short period of time, maybe, yeah, we were. We were Talking about your film soundtracks, uh, just in this respect of moving forward, why do you choose old films? Like, why not create a whole new film or a, a new video or some kind of clip to go along with it that's completely new? Yeah, because because um, uh, I'm, I'm I have been mostly approached by uh, f uh, film film uh, or, or organizations to okay. uh, as, with a commission, so they have an idea to to pair me with a film right. for a certain event or something like that. So these things kind of kind of fall into my right. lap and, and I, I try to make the best of it. Would you want to make your own film? Uh, yeah and, and actually actually that's the medium that we're that we're that I'm kind of I have an eye on and it was a medium that escaped electronic music because uh, when it first evolved in the uh, in the in the early 80s, it wasn't for all the genres. It was just really mainly for rock. Mm. Yeah, I'm speaking of like MTV. Yeah. And by the time electronic music uh, really emerged with rave culture in the mid '80s, uh, it was pretty much considered. It was pretty much um, uh, that you, at the time, I think you had to spend something over like at least over a hundred thousand dollars on your video mm. for even to even be considered for MTV. At that time, wow. so you had this. It, no, no matter what the idea was, you had to you had to have a budget of over a hundred thousand dollars. And that doesn't even really determine if it's good or not. You can spend a million euros on it. Right. So that excluded ninety nine point nine nine percent of all independent labels, and and so we 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 so um, 
So some of us, I remember, were trying to make our own videos. And, and of course, there were other, um, like VH1 and Viva, there were other smaller uh, stations, uh, you know, uh, that were programming. But um, eventually the whole, the, the, the idea of moving images and film in electronic music had just become lost. I think people just gave up. And then came the internet. And I think by that time, uh, people that probably could have created videos of their of their work and got into moving images and got into music, I think had just uh, got got lost. The people's ideas were just their eyes were just on something else. But I know and I remember that this this was something that a lot of people were wishing to be involved in, <laughs> but just didn't have the opportunity. So now it's it, it, it's a it's a little bit different that uh, you can make something, post it on YouTube. Uh, and people might have a better chance to see it. And so I, I still don't think that we really use that medium as much as we could, as much as we should, actually. Boiler Room, these other um, streaming type of streaming yeah. things um, uh, are, have shown us that if you have something that's interesting, people will watch it. Mm -hmm. And so now it's really up to the artist to now create and so I'm looking at at video, maybe more yeah, rather than uh, film. Well, not but film, um, but not of someone else's right. work, not of Fritz Lang, but mm -hmm. something that comes from electronic music, and something that we understand, and something that is uh, an extension from when we go to a club and we leave the club. This is connected to that, but we're not dancing, but we understand it. It it there has the same message, and so I'm I'm, I'm looking at that really closely and kind of testing and working on some things now that maybe next year you'll be able to, to show. So last time we spoke for the talks in 2015, we were talking about your film soundtracks and you said that you feel these kind of modern electronic compositions give the idea a new life. Uh, you said these films have very universal ideas behind them. So to only expect to experience it in one way feels a bit unnatural. Can you talk a bit about that? Like, do you think that change is always welcome in that sense? Um, sometimes, um, sometimes yes, yes, sometimes no. Uh, you, you, so, sometimes you run into uh, purists or people that, you know, um, don't want to, yes, to see they that. don't want to, <laughs> yeah, they don't want to change anything. It's perfect the way that it is. Um, and then, and then, and then at times the, the opposite. And it, it, it depends on you know, really what the, what, the, what the subject matter is, you know. Metropolis was a hot, hot topic, hot topic. you know, <laughs> because it's such a famous film and it's a national treasure and it means so much to so many people mm. that uh, to have a new soundtrack to that was a touchy. I, I knew that from mm. the very beginning, from when I, when I was working on it, which is the reason why I, I did it, because I thought maybe it would get the most attention. Yeah. Working with classical musicians and, and you know, working with orchestras, some musicians are not happy about the situation. <laughs> some are very happy about it because, uh, uh, so it, it, it really depends. But I think that if we can normalize the process and the idea of it, it will lead us to um, somewhere in between, I mm -hmm. think, that everyone's comfortable with and don't feel threatened that, you know, it may alter the path of, you know, or affect the history of it and things like that. If we fool around with it enough, we, we, will, we will get used to the process. And like every other time, young people will look at that and, and see that it 
might not be that difficult to explore, mm-hmm. you know, that if I, maybe I have a new idea and we'll take it forward. So do you hope that one day artists will come along and give new life to your music or your ideas in the same way that you've kind of done for these films? Yeah, I, 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 I think in, see, to date I've, I've released almost about 70 albums. Most of the albums are about either space or time travel or, or something happening somewhere else. And I think if, if I mean, out, out of those 70 albums, I would imagine that someone should be thinking <laughs> think about, about <laughs> yeah, um, revisiting some of these subjects, Alpha Centauri, for instance, or maybe um, uh, Planet X or something, or mm. being lost in space or um, in their own way. It's, it's kind of like, you know, in classical, you, you know, you pick up a score, an arrangement that's 150 years old, you know, and you want to give it a new life, Planets by Holst, you know, you want to give it a new perspective from a new time. And I, I would assume that if you leave it there and you leave it intact and make it possible for someone to come in and take it, then they probably might. I want to talk a bit briefly about how you typically go about working on the score. I know you've talked about this with electronic beats, but uh, you said something that was really interesting, which is that you just kind of watch the film and memorize each part so that you know what the music should, should sound like. Uh, can you just tell me a bit about that process for you? Well, yeah, I mean, it it, it, it comes... Um, well, I'm able to do that because, because uh, I think probably what I learned from being a DJ. So you learn how to look at someone or, or a situation and you read, you read it to come up with some idea of how to take the situation and move it forward. Um, so, you know, the group of four people over on the side or the, you know, the girl in the front or, you know, the, the, the tall person in the, in the middle or why pe- so many people are under one strobe light, you know, uh, kind of gathered bunched together because they want more of the effect. Over near the speakers, you know, you, so you, you, I, 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 I uh, would look at the film uh, in, in many different ways. So I would look at it uh, to memorize it um, because I need certain cues when to change the music. I look at it because I need to, and, and learn the film because I need to find a way where, how the music is going to fit, which, uh, character is it going to play towards um, in that scene? Is it going to play towards the bad guy or towards the uh, the kind, good person? Mm-hmm. Is it going to play towards the woman or towards is it a masculine or feminine thing? Is it something that's kind of distant and then the back, like fly on the wall? Mm-hmm. Does the music become a, another character in 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 the scene? So I so I learned the film for that for that reason. Um, and are you watching the film while you're performing? Uh, yes, I'm watching for for the cues, the cues. yeah, and uh, knowing when to when to change it. So I, I so I know the film back and forth. I know the film just by cue words, and as a result, I can modify the film because I know which which scene I'm coming from and where the scene which scene I'm going to. I know when the edit when Fritz Lang made the edit to go here and there, and so. It helps. It helps a lot. Um, so a couple of years ago, you did the live soundtrack for Symphony of a Great City. And personally, when I was watching it, I honestly felt like it was like an acid trip. Like you have all these kind of repeating images of like trains going by and people walking by and things like that. And it felt very surreal when paired with the music. Is that something that you were thinking about? Black, black and white films 
because you know we don't we don't see in black and white so we see in color if it were in color you might not have felt that way right. but but when you when you when we see things in black and white it feels like another it's another time and space i also look at the fact that it's it's colorless or, or in black and white and the music often is shaped by by that um so it is not colorful music it's very mm -hmm. simple uh, and i express it in very slight ways on either side so that it, it really kind of moves, it blossoms out into a colorless, a colorful type of, you know, I keep it, um, for the more color films that I worked on, like Fantastic Voyage mm -hmm. and uh, a few other things, the, the music is more, it has more, um, it's more floral, mm -hmm. I guess, I guess. So I actually watched a clip of it, uh, the silent version, as I was preparing for this, and I was really shocked that it seemed like a completely different movie to the to the one I'd seen. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think. So, uh, how do you kind of explain that transformation? I guess. Well, I think I think that you know the music. Um, well, I mean, there's certain parts of the film where electronic music really addresses the scenario much more. You know the sounds and the textures of analog machines and the precision of a drum machine and all these things it, 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 you know you and then some parts where it doesn't fit so, so well i mean comedy i don't i don't think that <laughs> isn't something that you know i learned this working with buster keaton i mean is you you know um it's really it's really about the melody and the chord structure mm -hmm. you know you really and so uh yeah i mean but you know it's it's you do the best you can, and and you and you and you just try to create a good example of of how someone might be able to take that and kind of run with the idea. Mm -hmm. And so tonight you'll be performing the score for the Woman in the Moon, uh, which you've performed before. So just in the sense of talking about giving new life to these ideas, how does your performance tonight give new life? Will it be different than previous performances, or like does the new idea kind of come into it because you're in a different setting uh, with a different audience? Well, I mean, the the the, the, the soundtrack had, had has been made for quite a while now, and I, I, out of all the Cinemixes that I've done, this I, I do this one the most, and the the live performance soundtrack is different from from the one that we released. Right. Um, it, there, there, there's more there's more music to it. Um, uh, actually, the album is a an abbreviated version of of this of this uh, of this score of this score tonight. So um, so you'll hear much more music. A lot of the new music is. Um, uh, it's used in various ways, so it's not always soundtrack, but sometimes it's just uh, atmosphere type mm -hmm. of sounds that mm -hmm. uh, kind of carry or kind of stay back of the characters, you know. Before we started recording, you were talking about having, it's an outdoor screening, so you'll have the moon kind of alongside you, which I think will add to the atmosphere. If, if we're lucky, we can, we can see the, <laughs> yeah, we can see the moon only four days away, and uh, and but the film is really, really. I mean, I. It's really an edu It's really an interesting film. I mean, at the time when the film was shown, um, the audience. I think probably most, if not all, the people in the audience had never seen the lunar surface in that way, mm. and they had never um, understood what a spaceship and a space what it looks like and how it's moved. And, 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 and many different things. And so it was really the first time for them to see such things on, on the screen, um, almost 100 years ago. So, Do you think that will 
that the reaction, obviously the reaction will be different, but do you think now that we've seen so much of the moon, do you think that people will have a different reaction in that sense? I think that when, when, when you realize that what we're seeing were um, where the, these ideas, some of these ideas came from. For instance, NASA still used, they still um, construct and build the, the spacecraft standing up mm-hmm. in, this, in this huge, massive building. And then it, it on tracks, it moves out from this building, a long 24-hour journey, very slowly to the launch pad. 24 hours, really? Yeah, it takes, it takes wow. 24 hours to move this thing out on this launch pad. And then um, uh, the, the, the capsule, uh, the spacecraft, take, you know, takes off. Um, that was int- this idea was introduced in this film. Mm. Even the countdown from ten to nine all, was that was Fritz Lang's idea. Really? Yeah. Oh, so, I had no idea. so the countdown comes. Even that comes from this film. Um, uh, um, launching in in water, uh, liquid, was introduced. In this film, so so many things. I mean, uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just full of um, things that we're actually that that NASA is actually have, have learned from this film and that they're actually doing now. I know that you chose to score Metropolis after having a discussion with some people in Berlin about why we don't hear electronic music in cinema. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, because hmm. Well. I think I think my well my, my my feeling was that people weren't expecting that to happen and they would not probably try to do something like that because there might have been an understanding that here if you do one thing you must you should probably stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. You should not try to move into art if you are a musician. And if you're art you should not move into being a musician. I and mean, you should pretty much stay because I think we're in Europe, and I think that, you know, generations, they, they pass down their craft, and you stay. Americans, we're not quite like that. The average American has, I don't know, six jobs by the time they find the one that they really want. Mm-hmm. We move numerous times around the country uh, before we find the place that we really want to live and retire. We change our minds much more. We we We... Uh, I mean, we, we, we have so many uh, uh, chances to start over again. If you screw up in one business, after so many years, you can start over again. Mm-hmm. If you go bankrupt seven, <laughs> seven years, you can start all over again. And so we have a system of not really knowing where we're, what lane we're supposed to be in. And so I didn't care, you know. I mean, I just, I just I wanted to make music for a film. And I wanted a famous film. And I just said, okay, that's going to be the one, and I'm going to start doing it. No one has to know. <laughs> it, it was just to show people as an example that it can be done. And that was, that was really the reason. And, and I, think, I think people here might have been reluctant to do something like that, as brash as that. Have you noticed a change in the relationship between electronic music and cinema since you started the project? Uh, or maybe a change in our perception of it? And how do you think that that relationship will evolve in the coming years? Not really, and, and no, I haven't seen, no, no not enough. I, I was expecting after doing Metropolis that um, there would be a, uh, you know, an avalanche of other artists 
taking films and doing the same. Hmm. No. Not the case. No, not so much. Um, <laughs> same thing with classical. When I when I went with the orchestra, I thought, okay, so, okay, now, you know, I mean, you're going to have all these artists doing the same. Not, not, not so many, hmm. you know. Do you think that at some point uh, electronic music's presence in cinema will become so normal that you'll have to move on from it? Eventually, yes. Hmm. I think... Uh, one generation will die away that this generation is convinced that classical music is the best way to tell a story. I think that generation will eventually die away. And um, well, you'll, you'll have people that just have only known electronic music or grew up with it and or consider it to be just as relevant and serious as you know, classical musicians playing cello and things like that. E eventually, at some point, yeah, I would imagine it should replace... Like, like, say, for instance, I, I see it more fitting being in children's films than actually... I see electronic music mm. fitting more with the um, one-dimensional view of children's car cartoons than, than, than I do in cinema right now. In a video interview with Electronic Beats, you said that moving images and film are the best way to introduce the idea of considering electronic music outside the dance floor. Um, why moving images rather than like a light installation or like uh, visual art or sculpture? Because we, well, especially in my generation, we were brought up on television. You know, I was brought up in, a, in television culture. And we... And I still think we still we still live in television culture. It's just 24-hour, you know, cable, 24-hour this, accessible to that. We watch videos on our phones, you know, but we still watch things happening. And I, and I, and, and I think that we are programmed to understand, to believe things, what we see with our eyes. And I think that um, uh, it, can, it can help us understand more about even our own job, the thing that we think we know a lot of. When you apply moving images to it and you begin to show the things that you have been understanding with your ears, uh, you begin to believe it more and you begin to, you get closer to it, I think, because it, it has another way to be able to work on your memory, your long-term memory. So I've seen something many years ago that I remember that was related to electronic music not just heard it. Do you think that you've achieved that vision of how electronic music and moving imagery should look and sound? Um, and if not, what do you hope to change or improve in the future? No, I don't think I would achieve it. <laughs> um, I think it's a long process. I'm still learning, actually, with, with each film. I'm, I'm learning a new way. I mean, technology keeps evolving and and um, see, for instance, like recently, I bought a lot of percussion equipment, uh, instruments, mm -hmm. and put these things in my studio. I had never, I mean, it was always synths and drum machines and electronic things that you plug in. And, and I just, I just uh, thought, you know, why don't I have percussion? I mean, I, you know, I used to be a drummer, and yeah. why don't I have like congas and bongos and cymbals and you know, wood blocks and all this. So I went and bought all this stuff and it's changing the music, mm -hmm. you know. And I'm, and I'm learning what I can do with my hands. I'm, I'm learning the limits or, or, I'm, or I'm learning how, what things I need, to, I need to make my wrists stronger and faster so that I can play certain things. And, and so, you know, I'm still, still learning of how to, how to uh, be a musician. So do you feel like eventually you'll add more things or maybe take away things 
10 years from now. Swap. Swap things. <laughs> so I'll take some of the sense out and, and put more symbols and, and, and things in. And, and then at some point, probably that situation will change. As technology comes in, I'll probably swap something else. I think you, you don't, you, as a musician, you never, you know, you never stop. Well, I think it's healthy to never consider that there aren't things to learn. Oh, I listen to a lot of jazz, a lot of, to get an idea of where we're he- we might be headed. Or at least the things that might might make sense. If I if I mix enough with classical music, something's going to come from that. Someone's going to believe that there's this form of music that is a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and this is what I like when it's mixing these things together. And then someone's going to come up with a term for that, mm-hmm. and that's going to be what some people are going to listen to in the year 2080. So it's pretty much, it's like that. You know, we have to keep, even if people don't like it, they don't understand it, it's probably better to keep working at these things. So just in terms of like you being able to explore sort of any uh, avenue that you want, do you think that that is like what true creative freedom is as an artist? Do you think you've achieved true creative freedom? Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's all, it's been, it's been there actually from the very beginning. It just, it, 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 at times it just seems like um, we are prevented from doing something because what we want is something that some people have control over. So I want to be famous, but in order to be famous, famous, I have to be on a major label and mm-hmm. their big budget puts me in, on everyone's cover of every, you know, it puts me more in the, but freedom has always been there. I mean, you're able with your instrument, you can do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. And so knowing that, and then you turn to what we have and you listen to it, it's not matching up, right? And so you have to conclude that, you know, why don't I hear more different sounds? Why don't I hear more different perspectives in electronic music? And, And maybe the reason why that is is because Maybe the majority of the people want to have something that other industries or other people are controlling. And I have to make myself in a certain way to be noticed by them, to be picked up, to be carried on and made into a Madonna or made into, mm. you know, someone else, Michael Jackson. Or, and I think that's the, that, is, that is the majority of a lot of music industries are pretty much like that. But freedom to do what you want has always been there. You told The Wire that around 2000, people were very fearful because of Y2K and things like that, and that you'd made an album based on that time, which marked this kind of beginning of your move off the dance floor. Um, can you talk about that time and why that was the push that you needed? From what I can see at the time, people were assuming that everything had been done in electronic music. There was nothing more to do. And that uh, it had reached a point where it had toppled, it had, it had topped off. and. Um, um, and the fact is, is that people uh, were just uh, not innovated enough. And I think that um, the press just wasn't working hard enough to find pe- the people and exposing the people that were doing interesting things. And everyone had just assumed that, that uh, you know, that's it for electronic music. And, and, and I think even around the time some people were, had declared that it was dead. Uh, in, in, my, in my lifetime, 
two locations. <laughs> People, the, the industry had declared that electronic music was dead. That techno was dead. Right. Maybe three, two and a half. <laughs> In Germany, there was a, there was also yeah, they declared it was dead here. And so, what kind of fears or changes or moments do you anticipate in the future that might foster another shift in how we perceive electronic music or how we think about electronic music? War will be one. It's inevitable. Um, major conflict. Um, uh, yeah, some type of disaster. Environmental crisis. In the environmental, maybe. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, disease uh, might might be another one, and we may have to use music in a, in another way to be able to inform people, um, the same way music was used in the '60s, to to bring ideas and enlighten people to something that maybe a different perspective on, on a different way, a different a message from a different perspective. Music, electronic music is, would be probably something, you know, if it, if it lasts that long, if it lasts up to that point, we might be able to use it in another way. Um, is that your hope? Uh, I, I, I hope we never come to the point where we, ha- we end up in it. But, um, but I, I see that it, yeah, it is. A bigger a, purpose, I mean. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think that um, uh, eventually all music forms will form into one. That will happen when technology will make it possible so that you won't only be able to experience the result of a musician, what a musician does but also the mindset and the thought process of what it took to get there. So, let me get an example. So, John Coltrane is driving along in his car, and he comes up with the idea of a love supreme. And he goes home, and he sits down, and his wife is there, and he goes, look, I got this idea, and he comes up with this melody, and I'm calling it Love Supreme. Mm-hmm. Goes to the record company, I made this thing, it's called Love Supreme, it's an album. Great, okay, let's press it up, you know, let's do the whole thing, let's go through the whole process until someone actually hears it. We, we may be able to come to a point where you might be able to experience the whole thing. So not just the point where you're listening to what John Coltrane did, but what gave him the inspiration from, his, from, his, from inside of him looking out, what might have given him that idea through religion to come up with this idea of love supreme. When that happens, then genres will all they they won't it won't make any sense anymore. That you'll just you'll be experiencing not just music, but you'll be experiencing the things that create music itself. And that's when uh, entertainment and art and being there watching Contemporary dance and experiencing that will have a whole new, you'll be able to experience that from the dancer's point of view, from the audience's point of view, from the choreographer's point of view, from the stagehand to uh, so many different points uh, that it will change the structure of what entertainment is. And that will mix with education. So you'll be able to understand what, what someone believed and, and uh, many different things. You'll be able to live the life of a caveman, knowing the conditions of how they lived. So they lived in this cave, they went there to hunt, they hunted here, they killed this, they got water here. You'll be able to experience that 
and that will mix with entertainment. Westworld or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. But, but, I mean, these are things that are perhaps maybe preparing us for a time where technology will mix these things together. And I think entertainment will dissolve, mm. the, 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 the segmented way of entertainment. I, I will have an up. I, will, I can be you for a day. And you mm. can be me for a day. That's entertainment. So, um, so I think that that point will come eventually, um, and it will. It will. I, to be honest, I don't really know what's what the world's going to be at that point, but um, but I know that that point is will come. So you've talked about this a bit before, but in an interview of yours, I was reading that when you first started DJing and there was no video, it made it a lot more difficult for you to learn how to DJ because you you had no kind of point of reference, like you had to listen to these mixes and then reverse engineer it in order to figure out what the DJ was doing. When things like video and YouTube kind of came about, how did that change the learning process for you? Well, well, for me, I mean, I, 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 I never... I, Pretty much stayed pretty much the same. I mean, what I did as the wizard back in radio days, not too not too much different from what I do now. I mean, it's pretty much my objective is to make the music um, as interesting as I can and make it as seamless as I can. So to um, make it so that it just flows in one continuous flow of everything mistakes and, <laughs> and tricks and all types of things and it just and it flows along so that you don't the listener doesn't have to um, be concerned about what I'm doing um, and to be in front of a, a camera or to be in front of it in my in my it doesn't make that much of a difference but I can see that it has become really the main a, a main element in what a DJ is these days to, so to to, to, to put your presence in front of a camera and then many people see that is part of what a DJ is now. I think that's great because um, eventually it will, people will come up with, they should come up with many different ideas of how to be in front of the camera. Mm. And that will push us, pull us more into the entertainment business. So you find an actor who can change his personality seven times in three minutes. Mm-hmm. That's amusing to look at. That's where we're headed. How do you think that fits in musically? Well, it's it's the music is part of the entertainment business. It's there's no escape from it, and um, many people like the idea of being entertained. So you can't argue with that, <laughs> right? There's you know low and high qualities of that. That's just that's just the way it is. I wish we could speak more about music more than the DJ that plays it. I wish that, that we could um, analyze what people have done. And very important things that people have done already in the past that we should really take a look at because that is really an, an indication of, of a pathway of, of which, we, we, which we could go. I wish we could do that more. I wish that we could analyze artists more not just look at them, but actually really look at their life and look at what they believe and, and, and to, to see if, if their ideas align with, my, with our idea. I mean, you know, what if, what if someone that you like believes something that you don't quite agree with? True. 
we, we don't know. We don't ask these questions because we don't want to explore that. But maybe we should be, you mm -hmm. know, because, you know, uh, do you really want to follow someone for 20 years that <laughs> believes that, you know, women should stay home and, and mm -hmm. just have babies? Mm -hmm. I mean, what? I mean, what? <laughs> hey, so I'm just saying, okay, because the mic is, the mic is, the tape is running. So I'm just putting things out there that maybe we should be looking at ourselves a bit closer. Do you think that film or a video is going to help with that? Like, do you think that that's a kind of medium that we can use to explore well, that it's, side it's of our It's in front of our face more and more often now, and you see people are getting used to being in front of our faces. And I think, I think those questions should arise. Mm -hmm. Who are you? And what, what do you believe? Why should I look at you and you not look at me? What's the difference? What makes you so special? Why should I spend five minutes looking at you dancing around? I'm just saying it, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying. So, yeah. so how do you hope to use visual imagery or moving imagery to educate people or inspire people in the future? Well, what, what I know is that, well, and that, that everyone can see, we don't have any um, outlet for um, content that comes from electronic music. Um, we, we, we ha you know, of course we have, you can watch a DJ DJ and do his thing in front of an audience and you can um, occasionally see a documentary about someone's life and what it took to become a superstar DJ and all this, all this stuff. But we don't, but we don't have anything yet that shows you um, in, a, in a moving image what you feel when you are in a club. Um, this, uh, in an artistic way. We, we don't have, we haven't developed anything mm. like that yet. And in other words, if you don't want to go dance all night, but you want to go out at midnight and you want to sit back and you want to watch something on the screen that makes you feel the same way as listening to your favorite DJ, we haven't created that yet. And I, and I see that there's a lot of opportunities um, for that to happen because you have generations of people that don't go out, but they still love music, specifically, you know, particularly in electronic music, and they're used to these sounds, but they don't want to dance, and they, they, they think they're too old to be next to 21-year-old kids. <laughs> they have children that age, yeah. so they don't, they don't want to party with their kids, right? So, but they still love music, and they, and they don't want to be out till 5 o'clock in the morning. They, want to, they have to get up in the morning to go to work, but they still love this music. And I think that there's a lot of opportunities to be able to create these type of transcendent type of films. Maybe with like VR or something like that? Um, that, that, that too, yeah. But, but I think that um, a lot has been achieved by people being together. We achieved a lot in the 80s and the mm. 90s of making, you know, big raves and big parties that you, you still feel that, um, you know, the need to kind of be with people at an event but you don't want, you don't necessarily want to dance you know it's too exhausting you get tired and <laughs> but you want to see something that that is beautiful that is very transcending i i think there there's a lot of opportunity for that and so i i've done some things already and we're kind of getting in position maybe around the beginning of the year we may start start to show um some of these films i i've made always made films but never like I said before, never really had the opportunity to really show them. Mm -hmm. um, even in, in Underground Resistance, we were fooling around with film uh, at that time. And, but at the time, we could never, we could never show it. We didn't have a, a way to show show them. So, 
So in October, you are releasing Sight, Sound and Space. Can you talk a bit about what's gone into that project, um, given your history with film and with science fiction? How long has this idea kind of been sitting with you? Uh, well, yeah, it's it's um, it's uh, a project kind of like a it's I'm, I'm really using it as a turning point, actually. It, it, it first came about realizing how much music I had really produced. Mm. And, I, and I, never really count, I never really took the time to even count until I had to. And then when I looked at how many albums I had produced and in such a short period of time and how many compositions, 12 inches of things, I thought we, we need to, um, before it gets to, we go too far, um, we need to release another c- compilation. And, it, and I need to go back into the catalog and to pull out and extract the things that maybe need a second chance, a second listen, that that might give some people uh, a different generation mm. new ideas uh, um, since they were released back in the 90s and things like that. And so that brought the idea to consider it something like a director going back into the film and, and making a director's cut type of, that's where the title comes mm-hmm. from, um, to kind of... Um, retool certain things to revisit certain things enhance certain things and looking at the catalog it was mainly about sight sound and space that was really the majority of all the stuff that i had been working on so it was either about one of those subjects so going somewhere and seeing something seeing saturn um, going to alpha centauri and seeing the binary star system spiral galaxies and and things like that um sound um, which, um, going through the catalog, there were certain periods where I discovered something, worked on it, and then moved to something else. But, but it was a unique sound that I, I often changed pieces in the studio. Uh, so I'm rotating pieces so that it, it changes the sound. And so I thought maybe extracting those tracks might show the different variations. So it's not just always plugging up a drum machine, plugging a synth into it, programming it and just running it. There's, there's ways to make the, the parameters of sound very different. So sometimes the, 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 hi, the hi-hat is the main sound I want you to hear. Not, not the bass line, not, not every, it's just a hi-hat. And, and, and so showing these different tracks that have these different parameters was one thing. Um, and then space, which is the majority of, of the bulk of all the things that I've done with this late with Axis. And so sort of talking about these different inspirations, I think I'm right in thinking that you have liner notes that kind of explain, is there a disconnect with like, obviously you're not including these images or videos that have inspired you. So if somebody doesn't take the time to kind of go and look it up online or something like that, do you think that the music still works on its own? I don't know. Um, honestly, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's for the listener to determine. I mean, I, I really don't know how time is going to change and what people are going to um, be more attracted to. Um, hard to say. Um, but if you don't put it in front of them, you, you, you don't have much of a, a chance. So I think these, these type of projects are kind of important to, to show how the music has changed throughout time, you know, the world had, had changed and it changed the sound, um, music industry had changed and instruments had changed and you, you can hear these types of things. Um, I mean, for instance, in the um, early 90s, it was pretty much um, 
a regular option to begin a track by fading in the track. And I think it was it was it was that because DJs were better crafty, more crafty wise. Mm -hmm. So so you didn't feel bad about fading in the track mm -hmm. because you knew the DJ would find where the one is and play it, you know, without any problem. Eventually as technology made DJs more dependent on it, um, the idea of fading in the track became too bothersome. <laughs> And so you, it became, so it, the tracks now start on the one because it's easier for the DJ to be able to play it on the one and easier to cue it. This is, this is a very small example of how the music has changed um, over, the, over the task. I mean, um, music used to have breakdowns in it, which would allow the DJ to be able to make the mix easier mm -hmm. because because the beginning of your next track was similar to the breakdown. That has been removed. So you don't have breakdowns in tracks anymore because, because DJs never really used, they didn't understand them, they didn't use them. And so now the audience doesn't know what a breakdown is. It's interesting, <laughs> right? And they don't know what to do when the music breaks down. This was something that was common in the 80s and the early 90s. So when the music breaks down, that's when the music is really at its high point. It's been, that's been lost. How do you think that uh, putting out a project like this is going to affect your music in coming years? Well, I'm, I'm using Sight, Sound and Space as a, as a, like I said, as a turning point. The music that we are that's in production and that we're producing now it leans more towards uh, electronic uh, jazz uh, style. Um, so right now I'm currently producing four, five projects of that style. Wow. And so uh, the, towards the end of this year, uh, Axis, we will begin to regularly work and with this, of course, with techno as well. Mm -hmm. But this, the, the production of this music is, is much more, the quality is much higher. You're in a big studio, you're dealing with musicians, you're mixing certain sounds together, analog machines and live musicians and, and percussion, and the productions are much more of a higher quality in terms of listening. The, ex the expertise, the sound engineer, the uh, the um, microphones that you use, the, the mix down that takes uh, two to three days per track, uh, all these things. So we, we um, are about to introduce a, another uh, a, another channel for this. So we're using this compilation as a turning point. And, uh, and then so from this point on, we will explore a different type of music.